Hello, constant listener. There are many affectionate terms for people who seem to have a little bit extra when it comes to the other side of the veil. They're sensitive, tuned, they perceive. Spokane, Washington has its own local history of dancing near that divide. A famous occurrence had been a tragedy at the famous Davenport Hotel in 1920. No one knows why, but an out-of-town visitor walked onto the glass skylight and fell through the ceiling to her death in a rain of glass. She now roams its halls, and she's not alone in company either. To quote the Spokesman Review newspaper, the Davenport has more spirits than a state liquor store. But in another unusual case for Washington in 1982, a local woman was profiled by that same newspaper. She had described conversations that she had with a person belonging to the Sixth Realm. She conversed with a being named Aff. This woman's name was Judy Ladin, and as she experienced these conversations, she wrote them down. Quote, It's not actually a voice. What I hear is a stream of thoughts which are not my own. It's real clear. It's just as if they were spoken to me. But I can feel expression, emphasis, exclamation. I can feel laughter. I can feel the good humor. Unquote. The Spokesman Review also described when and where these conversations would occur. Quote, Her sessions with Aff would last as long as two hours and generate as many as 2,000 written words. With Ladin transcribing Aff's coherent and verbose descriptions, Aff would visit Ladin anywhere, in her downtown office or at Riverfront Park. All she had to do was clear her mind. Unquote. The conversations Judy wrote down are available in a book for purchase, if you're curious. It's titled Beyond the Veil by Judy Ladin. It carries themes that are a number of alternate universes to ours, living parallel and in tiered realms. Interestingly enough, Judy isn't the first person to present such an afterlife idea, and comparing that to alternate realms, or that death is just another form of life in an alternate reality. There have been some critics that parallel her work to that of a priest in the 1950s. His book was titled Life After Death in the Worlds Unseen by Monsieur Robert Hugh Benson, a priest who is remembered as writing fiction. However, some wonder if his work held more grip on real stakes than realized. To quote Benson, there is a surprising number of people who do not realize that they have passed from the earth in the death of the physical body. Resolutely, they will not believe that they are what the earth calls dead. They are dimly aware that some sort of change has taken place. Unquote. I'm Tasha Wheelhouse, and this is Copper Shock. I am a California native who grew up with strawberry fields near my house in the 1960s. My parents weren't hippies, in fact my father was what I would describe as a straight-laced remnant of the Victorian age upbringing. You see, he was 10 years old when the Titanic sank, 
He remembered hearing it on the radio, and he once told me about it. I was the youngest of eight children, and my parents were absolutely shocked when they discovered they were pregnant with me. <laughs> he was 60-something, and mother was 50-something. I loved living in California at that early age. I remember hearing about when the Queen Mary was coming to dock at Long Beach, and my parents wanted to make a day trip with me a year after it arrived. 1968 was a good year. There are a lot of comforting things I still think about when I was a 10-year-old kid in Southern California. Bench seats, rolled down windows with a crank, and listening to Love is Blue coming through Mom and Dad's radio. As we drove up to a nearby lot, I remember seeing the Queen Mary for the first time. She really was a behemoth of a thing, basically a skyscraper turned on its side. And as we walked through the onboarding plank bolted to the dock, I looked down the side. This was something kind of mind-bending to me at the time. To look down the side of the ship's painted metal and see it stretch for a thousand feet made me a little dizzy. Later, I learned that the ship was four-fifths the height of the Empire State Building when stood up on end. The day itself was fun. We got to roam around and take a look at the views of the ship. I have always remembered that day with my folks fondly. Father died before I could graduate high school, and my mother got very sick right after that. I worked a few full-time jobs to help with medical bills, and I had a long time to say goodbye to my mother. God rest her. Perhaps I'll tell you more stories about her in the future. <laughs> she was a spitfire when she wanted to be, and I loved her for it. Many years later, after I'd grown up and married my high school sweetheart, we moved about the country finding jobs here and there. Eventually, we settled into Utah, and he found a great career. My husband and I had planned on visiting the Queen Mary for our anniversary. As usual, my favorite was to walk up the docking plank just before walking onto the ship, and look down her side to see that stretch of metal. I turned to my husband and said happy 34th as we walked up to our room number. Opening the door, I took a deep sigh. This was a quaint and small wood-paneled place. It had a bed with a floor duvet and a happy little mint chocolate on the pillows. I placed my roller luggage onto the bed and sat down, smiling. You know how much it makes me think of family when we come. My husband smiled and reached out to pat my arm lovingly as he also sat down his roller case. Well, we'd better get going unless you want to miss all the good rides. He smiled at me. I'll beat you to it, old man. I grinned and did a little hop toward the door. I was feeling giddy and happy to be on a vacation with my favorite person. He gestured toward the hallway door and as I passed him, my husband gave a playful swat on my bum. Didn't matter if we were in our 50s. I loved it when he'd tease and flirt. I turned around and gave him a kiss. He gave my hand three squeezes and we left the room. We could hear the ship's horns wailing on the decks above us. Oh, must be three o'clock. My husband Thomas smiled at the ceiling of the hall as we walked on. 
We returned later that evening, totally exhausted. The day was hot, and we were just happy to return to a small room with AC already blasting. I dressed down, and so did he. We crawled into bed and did our normal routines before falling asleep. I sat up with a book in my hand, and just expected him to fall asleep next to me as I read. But instead, he gently took my book from my hands. What page were you on? He asked. Chapter 13. Right there. I pointed to the paragraph I'd left off on. He then took a deep breath and began to read out loud to me. 3, Douglas now said, half aloud. 3 in the morning, in the meadow. The tents, the carnival waited. Waited for someone, anyone, to wade along the grassy surf. The great tents filled like bellows. They softly issued forth exhalations of air that smelled like an ancient yellow beast. I listened intently to my husband's voice. I loved Ray Bradbury books, and often go back to revisit them over the years. After a few more pages, we eventually tucked ourselves to sleep for a rest. Both my husband and I woke abruptly. Did you hear that? I whispered over. Happy ghost. I started to laugh and cuddled into him. That was loud enough. It woke me right up, I said. Yeah, woke me too. He wrapped an arm under my neck as he pulled me closer to him. I thought I heard it over there. I pointed across his body to the old intercom box sitting near the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the crew likes to pull small pranks. It sounded like a woman. I'll have to ask about it on our ghost tour of the ship tomorrow. <gasps> I yawned and tucked my arm under the blanket still holding onto him. As I drifted off, I remember passively thinking how odd it was that my laugh sounded similar to the one we heard. We fell asleep again, without incident, and woke up the next morning. After finding some breakfast, we went to go claim our tickets for the ship's ghost tour. It was fascinating to have the guide show us not just the spooky stuff on the ship, but also that of historical significance. There was a hallway painted in beige and green that was still left over from World War II when it was used as a medical ship, then later as a military transport for soldiers. The tour guide pointed at an intercom box and was mentioning some fact about it. To tell you the truth, I don't even remember what, but I was so distracted about the memory of the laugh coming back from the night before, I raised my hand. Excuse me, what? Where do those lead? The tour guide gave me a quizzical look. How do you mean? <laughs> the sound system. Is there a button you can press to make announcements in a control room or something? Oh, sorry, no. No, those don't go anywhere. They were all unhooked during the last renovation about ten years back. They don't work anymore. I'm sorry, I won't be able to demonstrate for you. Thomas and I gave each other an immediate and meaningful look. 
We continued to follow the group from location to location and arrived at the famed first-class pool on our deck. We looked over the tiled and empty pool as gel lights lit to show the space at a more ominous representation. After all, this was the ghost tour. I could hear the voice of our tour guide echoing and bouncing off the tile. If you look down that way, in the bottom right corner of the pool, the guide gestured to the far right side of the lower balcony at the head of the pool stairs. You'll see the entrance to the original ladies' changing rooms. That's where paranormal experts speculate where the vortex exists to allow ghosts to come through. You okay, hun? Thomas asked. I nodded without saying a word. I was feeling a headache coming on. At last, after the guide had exhausted his whole spiel, he asked the group to exit the pool for the next section of the tour. The lower decks of the ship. I really began to feel sick to my stomach at this point. While my head pounded, I did continue on to the boiler room. The guide pointed up to a painted line on the side of the wall. You see that line? He pointed way up high. The painted line was about two stories above our heads. That is about 20 feet below the surface of the ocean water. I felt my stomach twist a little bit when he said that. Give me ghosts, give me monsters. But don't threaten me with an opportunity to drown below decks of thousands of pounds of water and tons of metal. I felt my anxiety pick up more as he was describing the maritime disaster involving the Queen Mary. She had split open her bow as she ran over another vessel, killing everyone in the opposite ship and drowning more than a few men in the very room we stood in. Honey, you're really not looking so good. Thomas squeezed my hand. I, I just think I've got a migraine. It's almost done, I'm pretty sure. I nodded to him and held on to his hand tightly. After the tour, we heard the three o'clock ship horns. Thomas, may we take a small nap? I asked. He gave my hand three squeezes and we walked to the room. As we lay down, I heard a sharp gasp of air near my ear. You okay? I turned over and Thomas was sleeping heavily. He didn't appear to be awake at all. As I laid back down, I wondered if he was the one to make that sound at all. A few hours later, we woke up together and got ready for the evening. We walked over to Sir Winston's. I was looking forward to our big anniversary dinner. As we walked up to the restaurant, I could hear the restaurant pianist playing as time goes by. Reservation under green, I said to the head waiter. Yes, of course, this way please. As I walked behind the waiter, I looked around me. The whole place was opulent and covered in deep, warm wood colors. Shade-covered lamps were placed periodically down the walls. We were seated at a small square table near the bar. We were handed our menus and asked if there were any drinks we'd like to have. Both of us asked for sparkling water with lime. He nodded and left us at our table. So what looks good? 
Thomas asked as he held up the menu. I scanned the page and smiled as I looked at the description for baked stuffed lobster. Oh, how about this? I held out my menu to show Thomas. Everything shifted. As if I had succumbed to a vertigo-like state. I was swooning, and I began to feel myself slide away from Thomas. Not physically, exactly. My chair stayed in the exact same spot. My surroundings and the restaurant began to move and melt to my sight. I blinked a few times trying to help clear my vision, but as I did, I started to see myself and where I was and I panicked. I was becoming an old woman. An old woman alone in a reality where Thomas was dead. And I knew he had been dead for years during the moment of time I had experienced. I turned my head to where Thomas had been sitting an instant ago. He was so far away from me now, sliding farther and farther. I felt like I was looking down the wrong side of a telescope. With a sharp gasp of air, I reached out to him and squeezed his hand, pulling him back to me at the table. My other hand reached out toward his chest. As soon as I felt his shirt, I grabbed it tightly. The second my fingers dug into the fabric and bunched into my fist, the whole restaurant returned to the flash of time we had both come from. Thomas gave me such a dazed look, but also, he didn't look surprised at me holding on to him so aggressively. I eased the grip I had on his hand and let go of his shirt. He reached back out and gave three knowing squeezes, then kissed the top of my hand. Honey, the strangest thing just came over me, I said quietly. Me too, actually. I looked up at him. Tell me, I asked. He furrowed his brow. You're gonna think it's nuts. After what I'd been through, my mind was totally open. I think I was somewhere else. I was somewhere else. He trailed off. I think I was too. That's why I grabbed you. He nodded and furrowed his brow as he crossed his arms. He then took a deep sigh and continued. I don't exactly know where I was. What I do know is I saw a lot of men around me in old-looking uniforms. Brown hats, brown shirts, and pants. I think they were soldiers. I could feel the engine of the ship rumbling below me, too. As she pulled me back here, he was very specific when he said the word here, gesturing to the place he was sitting. I got the strangest inclination that none of them knew they were dead. I did, but they didn't. Hey, Constant listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Getting out episodes has been kind of tough this year, and I still want to produce what I can. I think of you often, Constant listener, 
and want to give you the best quality for each episode as we strive for original stories. Please leave a review for Copper Shock on your podcast app, as these do help our channels to grow and find other constant listeners like yourself. I love seeing the positive feedback, and you guys are so encouraging. Thank you so, so much. I'm glad to see you this week, and I hope to see you again next time.